This week's parasha is Parashas Vayigash. And at the moment of high drama, when Yaakov and Yosef were reunited, Pasuk in Perak Memvav, Pasuk Chaf Tes, Vayasar Yosef Merkavtai, Yosef hitches his chariot, Vayaal Lukras Yisrael Abav Daishno. Yaakov Avino, who he hasn't seen in 22 years, is now in the city of Gaishan. He's arrived, and Yosef prepares to greet his father. Vayera Elov. And he it appears to him. We'll spend time understanding those two words in a minute. Vayipal al Tzavarov. And he fell. Yosef did on his father's neck, and he continuously sobbed and wept on the neck of Yaakov, his father. So Rashi says on this word, Vayera a love, he appeared before him. Rashi says a few cryptic words. He says, Yosef Nira El Aviv. Yosef appeared before his father, which doesn't really seem to be teaching us anything new. Rashi normally has a clear purpose in what he's saying. And over here, Rashi seems to just simply be giving us what we would ordinarily understand as a shot in the Pasuk. Yosef appeared to his father. What's the Chiddush that Rashi is trying to bring out? So the commentators, the Sisechachamim and others, they say that Rashi is just pointing out because the Pasuk is nondescript. When the Pasuk says, it's not clear who appeared before whom. It might be that the intention of the Pasuk is that Yaakov was the one that appeared to Yosef. Maybe it, that's what the Pasuk means. So Rashi is simply pointing out that the Pshuta Shomikra means that Yosef was the one that appeared to his father and then they hugged, or at least Yosef fell on the neck of his father and sobbed. But there are Bali Musar, Rebellion Lapian, Rebellion Chasmin, Others, they say a beautiful pshat in this pasuk, in this Rashi. Yosef Nirel Aviv is a very critical statement. And listen to what they say very carefully. When a person has a moment that he's really anxiously looking forward to, if it's going to be an airport scene, If let's say you're looking forward to greeting somebody at the airport that you haven't seen in a long time, somebody's arriving back from a from a whole winter away, from a year away, for five years away, and finally you're able to meet that person and wait for them, you know, by the airport you always see these people with the balloons and the bouquet of flowers and waiting and they hug and they kiss. It's a very inspirational, emotional very, very wonderful moment. But if a person explores the inner recesses of their heart when they are preparing for that reunion, it's a personal experience. I can't wait to go to the airport to see that person, to be reunited with that person. It's going to be an amazing experience. I'm, I'm mamish relishing that moment. I can't wait. But it's a personal moment. It's one that is not so much always about the other person and being able to greet that other person as much as it's about me and the high that I'm going to get when I greet that person. And of course, that's human. That's a very normal thing. But that's not a complete reunion in the perfect sense. That's lacking in the... in the wanting for me to have the other person experience the reunion. When Yosef HaTzadik was going to greet 
Yaakov Avinu, after 22 years, they both longed to see one another. They loved each other. Yaakov and Yosef was a father-son relationship that was unique in the history of the world. There was so much love between them. And as much as Yaakov was excited coming down to Mitzrayim to see his son Yosef after all these years, his, a son who he thought was ripped apart by a chayera, a son who he long assumed was dead and everybody at least was telling him so, Yaakov couldn't believe that he was alive and he was obviously excited and happy to greet Yosef. But Yosef also is a human being. Yosef was the son who missed his father all of these years. And although he might not have sent word for whatever reason back to Yaakov that he was alive, but he was longing to see his father as well. And so at this moment, at this critical juncture in time, at this crossroads, when Yaakov and Yosef are greeting one another, so Yosef would have been forgiven if he would have wanted to take in that moment as a personal moment, a personal moment that he was longing for, that he was relishing, that he was dreaming about. For these 22 years, not a single day went by that he didn't wait for this moment and pine for it. Eagerly, when is going to be the day that I'm going to hug my father once again? He could have been understood. It would have been understood to... Every one of us, if Yosef would have been enjoying the moment as much as Yaakov. But Yosef being the son that he was and being the tzaddik that he was, instead of doing that, he stopped himself. He says, I'm arresting all of that passion. I'm arresting all of that desire on a personal level to be part of the experience, to enjoy this moment for the mitzvah of Kibbut Ava'im. I'm going to give my father the nachas that he wants, that he needs. This is not going to be a moment about me, but rather it's going to be purely donated to Yaakov. That's what Rashi is telling us here with these four words. Yosef Nira Elaviv. What does that mean? That means that not just merely that Yosef was the one in the Pasuk that was appearing before Yaakov, but Yosef made himself like Karka Oilam, Yosef made himself almost inanimate in the sense that I am not going now at this moment to Gaishan for myself. I'm going to divorce my own personal emotions from the whole process and I'm going to be here only in order to appear before my father to give my father the Nachas Ruach that he wants. It's not about me. It's not about my enjoyment and my ability to recount this moment afterwards and to keep it as a snapshot in my brain for all time. It's not about me. It's not the experience I am dedicating, I am donating it to my father. Yosef, Nira, I love it. Yosef was prepared. He was standing full, ready like a soldier, not for himself, but to give this moment for his father, that his father should have the nachas after all of these years of seeing him. And not that Yosef should be an equal participant in this event. It's a very high madrega, of course, to reach. But this was the madrega that Yosef felt that was the appropriate emotional response and, and way of thinking and way of acting at this point. In one of Rabbi Krohn's books, in the first one, I just told him yesterday that after the bris that I said something over, or that I will be saying something over by the, uh, by the shmuz in his name, um, he brings a story there that he had a cousin who was, I think his name was Chaim David Ackerman. It was the year 1962, he was an American boy, this Chaim David, and he went to Hebron to learn for two years. And what happened was that after the two years, he was coming back to America where his family was eagerly awaiting him. But before that, he decided to go with a group of friends from Hebron, from Yeshiva to London to go on a tour and, you know, to have a good time in Europe a little bit before they come back to America. And 
they arrived, let's say, on a Thursday, and they were planning on spending two weeks there. That Friday, they heard that the famous Maggid of Yerushalayim is going, is in London, and he's going to be speaking, Reb Shalom Shavadron is going to be speaking in a shul in London that they were going to be not far from. So the whole Hebra goes to that shul after the Sud on Friday night, and they go to hear Reb Shalom speak. And Reb Shalom says this part that we just said over from his Rebbe, Reb Leib Chasman was the Rebbe of Reb Shalom Shadron, and he says over this part that Yosef Nirel Aviv means that I am not coming for my sake, but I'm coming to appear before my, before my father to give my father the nachas. I am not going to take it, I'm going to give it all over to my father. And this Chaim David Ackerman was listening and his jaw dropped because he took it as a personal Musa Shmuz. So what a chutzpah that I learned two years in Hebron. My parents paid for my ticket. They allowed me to go much against their will to go away for so long without actually seeing their son. But they allowed it for Tyra. But how happy could they be that I, not, I didn't come directly home after I learned in heaven for two years straight to America to hug and kiss them and to be home. But rather, I'm taking first a little two-week vacation away from them weiter. What a chutzpah. My parents, I'm sure, were not happy about the fact that I am not coming home directly, that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing Madame Tussauds and Tower of London and the, the, the Crown Jewels and uh, the London Bridge instead of coming home and seeing them. So instead of spending two weeks in London, that Sunday morning, right after Shabbos, he booked the, the flight, the first flight out of London to New York, and he came back home, and he greeted his parents as Yosef would have wanted him to do. And from there, Rabbi Kron brings it because Rabbi Kron had a, his family had a very close kesher with Rav Shom Shvadran, and it sort of all started because of this Meisah, because when this Chaim David, his cousin, came back home, and they asked him, why did you cut your trip to London short? And he told them this whole Meisah, they were so impressed and so amazed by Rav Shalom and his Tyra and his, and the Vart from Rav Leib Chasman, that they decided they were going to get a very close kesher with him, and then when Rav Shalom came to America, Rabbi Kron's parents hosted him in Kew Gardens, for many, for a long, long time, and they, their families became very close. But this is a, a very beautiful Yisai that we just learned um, about Yosef's approach at this moment in time, greeting his father. It wasn't about him, but rather he gave it all over to his father. It was Yosef Nirel Aviv? I am here, not for me, but for you. I want to tell you a beautiful ha'ara that I had on this ha'ara. And let's first examine the other side of the story. We know now about what Yosef was doing, what Yosef's modus operandi was when he was going before Yaakov. What was Yaakov exactly doing at this point in time, at this same moment that Yosef was doing what we just described Let's see what Yaakov Avina was doing. So Rashi says an unbelievable thing that we're all probably familiar with. It says that Yosef was the one that fell on his father's neck and cried excessively. But Yaakov, it doesn't say anything about him crying on Yosef's neck. Like we do a few psukim earlier in the parasha when Yosef and Binyamin were reunited, they were falling on one another's neck. We don't find that over here. What was Yaakovina doing? So Rashi says, Yaakov did not cry on the neck of Yosef, and he didn't kiss him. The What Yaakov Avinu was doing at this moment, that this most beautiful and what should be an emotional, personal, amazing moment, we find that Yaakov was not exactly the picture of what you would consider emotional at this time, but rather Yaakov was saying, Kriyashma, of all things to do, instead of crying 
and, and laughing and rejoicing and completely being in the moment and rocking together with his son in an embrace that will last forever. Instead of doing that, Yaakov is saying, Kriyashima, a funny thing to do at this moment in time. And all of the Mepharshim asked, what's going on over here? Mimanovshach. If it was Man Kriyashma, meaning if Yaakov Avinu has not yet davened Kriyashma, is already, you know, is already this man to say Kriyashma, so Yaakov Avinu wanted to daven Kriyashma, fine, good. So why isn't Yaisiv also saying Kriyashma? Elamai, it's not this man of Kriyashma. So if it's not this man of Kriyashma, so why are you saying Kriyashma? Why can't you hug your son? So there are many, many Mepharshim that give different approaches to this, to this, uh, to this question. The Maral gives perhaps the most beautiful chat of all time. The Maral says like this, and I have to read it inside because his words are beautiful, as always. The Maral says like this. He says that the Be'emis, it was not Sman Kriyashma. It was not the time of Kriyashma. So then why did Yaakov Avino say Kriyashma now at this, at this moment? He says, Inyan Kriyashma Shayakare, you know why he said Kriyashma? Uthisha Kasher Ba Yaakov, Viras Yaisef Benai Melech. Yaakov Avino thought his son was dead. Or if he was alive, who knows where in the world he may be. All of a sudden he realizes, he sees that his son is not only alive, but he is the viceroy of Egypt, the most hush of a position, besides for being Karai, in the world. So at that moment in time, imagine what was going through Yaakov's mind, or heart. Immediately he was filled with an Ava and a Yira, to the for being able to witness this miraculous turn of events. He was able to appreciate how amazing, how wonderful the Midas of the Rabbani Shalom are. And how HaKadosh pays back a great reward for those who fear him. And listen to the words in the Maral. This is the Midah of a Chassid. That when any good happens to a Chassid, when a Chassid has a great experience happen to him, what a Chassid does is, he is Mistabik himself. He clings onto the Rabbani Shalom. So what we do, perhaps, when we have a great moment in time, when we're zeichet to a tremendous event, when we have a good experience, when we make a good deal in business, when we have a good day in learning, when we do well on a test, when we get engaged, when we find out that, we, that the girl that we're going out with likes us also. What do we do? We're happy and we say, oh, wow, I'm great, I'm amazing, I studied so hard, or I'm really, I'm so popular, I'm good, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm successful, I'm prosperous. We take it into our own hearts and we feel good about ourselves. We pat ourselves on the back. A chassid doesn't do that. What a chassid does is he's right away able to recognize how great the Rabbi Shalom is to him, that this is a great thing, a, a gift that the Rabbi Shalom bestowed upon him, and what he does is immediately his heart overflows with appreciation for the Rabbi Shalom, and then they give it over to the Rabbi Shalom. All of those feelings of love, of happiness, of success, of shleimos hanefesh, they immediately challenge, channel that all to the Rabbi Shalom. And that, he says, is Kriyashma. What is Kriyashma? We say it every day several times. We, it's about time that we know once and for all what Kriyashma is. Kriyashma is basically saying, I believe in you, Rabbi Nishleilam, 
I love you. I fear you. You are everything. That is what Kriyashma is. I am full of love for you with all my heart, with all my life, with all my money. Everything is for you. All my love, all my fear, all of my success, all of my everything is yours, Hashem. That's really what Kriyashma is. It's a, it's a Mesira. It's a Kabbalah. It's, a, it's, an, it's an ability to say to the Rabbi Hashem that all that I have in life is really yours. This is the proper understanding or maybe for those that understand things well. So if you hear what the Maral is saying, the Maral is saying a gorgeous part. Maral is saying it wasn't Zman Kriyashma. It was not Zman Kriyashma. So why did Yaakov Avinu say Kriyashma at this not normal time to say Kriyashma? Hug your child, kiss him, embrace him. Why are you saying Kriyashma now? Because Yaakov Avinu was not a normal person. He wasn't you and I. He was a chassid. He was a person on a madrega. And he realized that after all the tsaras that I had, for the past 22 years, living every single day with this terrible tsar of Yosef. Where is he? What is he? How could this happen to me? And suddenly everything comes in a flash. A Yeshua Hashem Karaf Ayin. Everything becomes clear. And not only is Yosef alive, but he is prosperous. He is the king. He's the Mishnah Melech. At this point, his heart was so full of Akaras Hatayim to the Rabbi Shalom. His heart was so overwhelmed with gratitude that he had to deflect that gratitude and not take it in personally to himself, but to give that gratitude to the Rabbi Shalom. Kriyashma is basically the manifestation of all of this experience that I have right now. All the love and all of the emotional high times a million, I'm giving that over to you, Rabbi Shalom. I'm channeling all of that emotion to you. I'm wrapping it up in a gift called Kriyashma, and I'm giving it to you. And that is why Yaakov at this moment in time chose to say Kriyashma, because this was his reaction to good. It's not me, it's not for me, it's not mine to cherish and mine to hold near me, but rather it's mine to appreciate and now to give it to the Rabbi Shalom. That is what I choose to do at this time instead of taking the experience in for myself. Just to add a little bit of a, a nuance to this morale who describes what a chassid is, if you see the Mesos Yisharim, the Mesos Yisharim is perhaps the greatest Musar work ever written. And the Mesotishar and the Ramchal, if you look through the, all of the pages, all the prakim of the, of the Mesotishar, we know that it's a sulam, it's a ladder of Rapinchas Ben Yar, different madregas after madregas to attain the highest levels of Oedas Hashem, containing madregas such as Zrizos and Zihiros and Prishos and Tara and Hasidos in Yerushalayim. But of all of these Midas that we just described, and we missed a few, of all of these wrongs, if anyone knows the Mesot Yisharim decently well, he'll know that the Mesot Yisharim's favorite wrong, the favorite madrig of the Mesot Yisharim is Hasidos. Hasidos is, first of all, he starts out a Sefer, Yisayda Hasidos. The Yisayda of Hasidos Chasidus is to him the greatest human accomplishment is to be a chasid. And of all the prokim, each, each madrega has like three prokim, but of all the prokim, chasidus is like much bigger than all the rest. He spends the most ink on chasidus because he feels that this is mamish, the epitome of the Avedis Hashem, of the Mesilla, the, the path to righteousness really begins in earnest at a chasidus. And he describes what a chasid is not 
says certain people think Hasidim are people that roll around in snow and ice and do funny things to show how great they are in in, in, in Ruchnius. So that's not what a Hasid is. That's bogus. He says that a Hasid is, you want to know what a Hasid is? He said a Hasid is encapsulated in the Gemara in Brachas and that Yudzayin. The Gemara says, Ashrei mi she'amolai batayra. Fortunate is he who is Amelus's batayra and he gives nachas ruach to his creator. That means that the Ramchal is telling us, and he goes through in detail, that a chassid is somebody who knows how to please Hashem. He knows how to give extraordinary nachas to his Father in Heaven. And he brings a mushal. He says, if I know that my Father likes a certain thing, even if he's just merames to it, he hints to the fact, the fa- your father once hints to a fact that he likes a certain type of thing. You will go out of your way if you are a good, obedient, and loving son and try to find any way to get that for your father. If your father once mentioned that he likes a certain type of cigar, or he likes a certain type of wine, or he likes a certain type of sweater, so you'll keep that in your mind, and when you have the opportunity to go, you'll spend days and weeks and months until you're able to track that thing that he likes down and give it to him. Because that's what his son does, even with the remise of Alma. If your father just slightly says that I like a certain thing, you'll do it, because that's what a good son does. And a chassid likewise says that Amchal does the same thing. If we know that mitzvahs are what Hashem really likes and needs, kaviyachal, so I will not stop merely with what is normally expected by Hashem. I will use that as my starting ground of knowing to go weiter. If Hashem likes a lulav, oh wow, I'm going to give him the most beautiful lulav in the world. I'm going to be mahadir beyond what's normally expected because I'm a chassid. Because I want to give nachas ruach to my creator. So Maisa with the Reb Chaim Kanievsky Shlita. It's a year that sits in Bnei Brak, Yad Malayli, makes a siyam on Kalatayr Kula every single year. It's an amazing thing that we're Zaycha to live in the same, on the same planet as he does. There's a year, I mean, if you would tell me stories about the Vilna Gaim like this, it would be hard to believe. But there's a year today sitting in Bnei Brak who is Messiah Kalatayr Kula. And this is not, it's not hyperbole. It means Kalatayr Kula Mamish. Bavli, Yerushalmi, Sifra, Sifri, Zayar, Tairus HaNigla, Tairus HaNistar, Rishayim HaKreim, every single year. And when Rebchaim Kanievsky, when his mother was still alive, so, and of course Rebchaim Kanievsky's father was the stipler, so when they were both alive at the same time, Rebchaim used to every day after davening go to visit primarily his mother, his mother would bring him a little breakfast and he would talk and learn with his father a little bit. But he knew that his mother really loved when, she, when he came every morning to visit and so he would do that every single morning. After his mother was nifter, so the stifler was living um, alone and so Reb Chaim's sister was an almana. She came and moved in with her father and was helping him until he was nifter. And one day, and then after, after his mother was nifter, Sir Chaim stopped coming every morning after davening. He felt, you know, his sister is already watching his father, and his mother is no longer alive, so his father doesn't need him to come and visit. And so he basically stopped that seder ayim. And one day he came to his father, to the stipler, and the stipler, he just made like a comment that, you know, you should know that I also appreciated it when you came. When you came and visited in the morning, I, I liked it also. He didn't say anything. He wasn't saying it, but Tyrus Taina, he just was making like a, a remark to his son that I enjoyed it also. You shouldn't think it was just for your mother. I liked it also. So Chaim took it as being a statement that his father also wants him to come. And every single day for the next, I believe, 12 years, until his father was nifter, he came every single day and spent time with his father in the morning after davening. And even after his father was nifter, 
he comes Adayim, he goes every single day after davening to visit his sister, the Almana, who took care of his father. Also, they spend time every single day. But just for Misa if your father says that he likes something, then you'll do it because you want to please your father, you want to give him Nachas Ruach. And a chassid, likewise, if you see what the Torah says that the Rabbani Shalom likes, then that's, ooh, that's giving me a clue as to what he really wants, and I'm going to really try to give everything over to him. That's what a chassid is. It's somebody who's mahadr with every mitzvah, every opportunity, not to suffice with what I must do, but how much more can I go above and beyond that? That's what a chassid is. That was the favorite and the most important and critical Wrong on the Sulam of Pinchas Ben in the Ramchal's mind. So this is what Yaakov Avinu was. Yaakov Avinu was a chassid, says Maral, and as such he wanted to give Nachas Ruach liyitzray. And how was he giving Nachas Ruach liyitzray? By taking that moment in time, not taking it to heart for himself, but rather deflecting it and giving it over to the Rabbi Nishleilim. And so my ha'ara is, I think, a very beautiful one. That what we come out of these two Yisaitis, in what Yisaf HaTzadik was doing at this moment in time, according to the Bali Musa that we started off with today, that Yisaf HaTzadik was not taking in this moment for himself, even though he could. But Yisaf Nirel Avivi decided to deflect all of the personal emotion squeeze it out and give it over to his father to give nachas ruach to his father to give a little nachas that his father after all these 22 years should enjoy the moment and it wasn't for him this is exactly the same thing it's parallel and it's mamish a carbon copy in a sense of what Yaakov Rabino was doing at the very same moment in time he was also taking this moment according to the morale and instead of taking it into his own heart and enjoying the moment, relishing it personally, he says, no, I am going to be also near El Aviv. I am not doing this for me. I'm not going to get emotionally over-involved in this for myself, but rather I'm going to say Kriyashma, which means I'm giving it over to the Rabbani I'm giving the Rabbani Nachas from this. This is Mamish, the same exact Yisait that we find at this very moment in time. This embrace between Yosef and Yaakov was really a parallel embrace. They both had the same exact kavano. Yosef was being mechavin to giving it over to his father, and Yaakov in return was taking the ball and relaying it to the Rabbi Nishlaim, and deflecting all of the personal emotion from it and giving it over to his father. That was the sight of what was going on here at this moment in history. Now, it's hard for us to be on the Madrid of Yaakov Avinu. It's very difficult to claim the mantle of Hasidus, especially when we have so many other rungs to accomplished before that. But it's an interesting thing that in life we find that every single simcha that we have, every teredika simcha at least, that we have is really an opportunity to give nachas ruach to the Rabbi Exactly like Yaakov Avinu did to be able to take a moment and to say it's not my moment. I'm giving it over to the Rabbi Let's look through the life cycle of a Yid. When a person gets married, a person is looking forward for many, many years of his life to find the right girl. If he's, even before he starts dating, everybody's thinking, you know, when I get married, it's going to be an amazing chasna. And everybody's going to be dancing around me, and they're going to be lifting me up on a chair, and I'm going to be, you know, the center, the bell of the ball. And it's going to be an amazing night. And then the marriage is going to go on. I'm going to have such hanah from, from being a married person and having guests over my house. And I'm going to have children. It's going to be gewaldic. Under the chuppah, the first of all the shavar brachas, 
is a funny type of bracha that really needs a lot of hezber. We make a, the, there are other, all the brachas really in Shavar brachas need a hezber. It's Kedai to get a safer that discusses all of them. <laughs> um, but the first bracha in particular is a very, very, uh, it's a bracha that needs a lot of hezber. The first bracha is Shako Bara Lechvaydai. That everything is created for his honor. For the honor of the Rabbi Nishram is everything created. So a very strange bracha. What does that have to do with the chasna? What in the world does that have to do with the other brachas later in the, you know, Mesameh Akala, Mesameh All those things are pretty self evident have to do with a chasna? What does that have to do with a wedding? And what the Mepharshim, even the Rishayim say, is that what we're doing is we're basically saying this you say that Yaakov knew so well. Here is a moment, a chasen, or a kala for that matter, this is their moment in the sun. There is no greater experience in life than when you are a chasen, standing under your chuppah, and everybody, you have a few hundred people in the room that are watching you and being happy for you and giving you all types of covid. Many people stand up when the chassan and kala walk down to the chuppah. And I think Rav Hutner once told the chassan when he was about to walk down to the, to the chuppah, he says that, uh, he says, don't let the gaiva get in too much. He says, there's only two times in your life that this is going to happen, that people stand up for you when you come into the room now and when you die. When they bring your aron in, that's another time they're going to give you covid. Don't, don't let it get to you. They're not really standing up for you. It's because you're doing a mitzvah. But basically, um, when a person has this beautiful moment under the chuppah, there is no greater covet. Everybody is there for your family and your friends and your abayim and everyone. And they're there to wish you well and to dance with you, to launch your life together with your kala into an orbit that will continue to go la'elo la'elo v'simcha rabba. What we say by saying Shachal Bar is sort of like what Rav Hutner says, don't get carried away. Don't let the covet sit in your heart. But you should know that all of the covet really should be given over to the Rabbi Nisham. It's not your covet. And all of your ambitions for life should be earmarked for Kvayda Yisbarach. It's not for your own personal self-aggrandizement. It's not to make your name great and for you to get all the pomp and all the glory, and for you to be able to have kids so that I can have a son, I could toss a football with him, and I could bring him up the way I want to bring him up, and I can make have a whole Shabbos table full of my archim. Keep in mind, it's all for the Rabbi Nisharim. Your intentions under the chuppah and beyond have to be only l'chvaydeh. Everything that we do, we like to believe it's us, but if we're on a madrega of a little bit of chasidus, we'll be able to understand and be mechavim b'shas, the brachis, that it's not for me, it's shakal bar It's all for the Rebbe Shalom Just like Yaakov, you know, I'm not taking the moment, I'm saying Kriyashma now. Because Kriyashma is basically being even at the greatest moments in life. That's what a chasim does under the chuppah. Shakal bar It's not about me, it's about the Rebbe Shalom. Yes, I'll dance. Yes, I'll rejoice and I'll enjoy it. But I understand that all of this is because I'm being Mekayim as mitzvahs. This is what the Rabbani Shalom wants. It's Kedas Moshe Yisrael. This is what the Rabbani Shalom intends. And I'm happy and I'm rejoicing, but to give him the cover. It's not for myself. When a person has a child, when a person is Zaycha to have a son, and he makes a bris, so, like Goyim, you know, a, child, a person has a child, what do you do? You hand out cigars in the office, and, you know, it's my son, and I have a kid now. By a bris, what we're basically saying is, I'm stamping the child, which is what a bris is, with a seal, that he's Shaykh to the Rabbanisham, he is Kedusha, he is holy. I am not having a son for me. This son is for, for the Rabbanu Shalom. This son is supposed to do holy work in life. 
And that's what a bris is. It's to remind you that you are earmarked for Kedusha. I once was at a bris of a Talmud of mine. A wonderful Talmud. And he was an exceptional human being. And I'll never forget, I was standing there by the, by the, by the bris as he was about to, you know, there's a minakise, uh, the father takes the baby from the kisho and he puts the baby into the arms of the sandik for the actual Maisa Milo. And before he did this, he stopped. Normally it's a very quick thing, everybody's hungry, they want their bagels and lox already, so everything has to be very rushed and, you know, and, and quick. And he stopped. And he just held the baby, it wasn't, it seemed like hours, but it was probably 30 seconds. And he was crying, and he was taking in all of the emotion. He was squeezing his heart for all of the emotion of having a child, and having a son, and that karas that he had to the Rabbi Yisraelam, and then he gives it over to the sandik for the mice of the bris which was basically what he was doing was he was relaying like Yaakov Avinu all of the simcha that I have personally I'm not it's not for me there's a recognition that this is you you gave me the child you were mezakimi to have a son and now I'm giving it over it's for a maisa bris and mekadeshet ashakidashi did me betin mechaik v'shei reisam v'tzatzav chasam bais bris kadesh this is yours it's an opportunity to have the simcha in my heart, but instead of doing that fully, I'm taking the simcha in, but I'm sharing the simcha with you, Rabbi Nishlam, and I'm giving it over to you. This is the word of a pigeon Aben. A pigeon Aben is also a time, it's a rarity, it's a rare moment, a pigeon Aben needs a lot of various things to happen, but when a person is a pigeon Aben, what you're basically saying is that a firstborn is Kaidesh. It has a, a kedusha in it, and if you look in the chinuch, what it's all about, the chinuch writes that, like any other type of, like bikurim, a bachar, we always give our first produce, our firstborn, over to the rabbanu shalom. You know why? It says because there is such a human need to have. When I put something into something, I put a lot of work and investment and time and schwitz into getting something. I want it for myself. A person goes and plants and invests in a field and and waters the soil and irrigates it and, and fertilizes it. And after a long winter, excitedly goes out to the field and sees a grape growing on the vine. What's your first reaction as a human being? You want to take it off the vine? You want to make a burpreates and put it in your mouth and, and, and savor the taste that you put so much into? You want that fruit for yourself. The Torah says, no, give over all of that want, all of that desire, give that over to the Rabbani Shalom. Be maktish that. There's a Kedusha of a Bukhar. The first thing that you want yourself, you take it and you say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender it, I'm going to cede it to the Rabbani Shalom, who really was the one that gave it to me. A bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah boy comes of age, What's the first mitzvah? I think the Chassam Sefer says, what's the first mitzvah that a bar mitzvah boy does? I think I saw two different shatim. I believe they're both in the Chassam Sefer. I could be wrong. A trivia question. Of course, there's also thing as trivia when it comes to these things. But what's the first mitzvah that we were all mekayim? So the Chassam Sefer, I believe, says in one place, simcha. Simcha, to be happy to be a yid. It's a mitzvah to be the simcha. The first mitzvah that a child of a bar mitzvah has, the first opportunity that we have as a gadol, is to be happy that we're a yid. But the more common answer is the mitzvah of what? Kriyashma. Kriyashma Shalarvis. As I turn 13 on the night of my birthday, I become a man in the halachic sense, and the first mitzvah is I daven myriv, and as I put my hand on my eyes, and I say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekein Hashem Echad. It's the Kabbalah's Olmach HaShemayim. Which means that as beautiful as this moment is, that I have attained maturity, and I could be a full-fledged member of Klal Yisrael, but I'm giving it over to you, Rabbi Sharon. 
It's all for you. It's not about me and about my presence and about my maturity and about how people now are going to be mashing me. I could be part of a mezuman. I could be part of a minion. That's all good. But it's about you, Rabbi It's about giving over all of my Ava that I have right now for you. I'm giving it to you. All of the simcha in our life is whatever, whenever we're happy. Every good thing that we have in life, don't completely take it in. You should take it in a little bit. We're human beings. We're not robots. We have to enjoy it and appreciate it for the, for the event that it is. But don't leave out the Rabbi from the equation. We have to include the Rabbi We have to embrace the Rabbi at any moment that we have a simcha. And we have to somehow, someway channel all of that emotion back to the Rabbi who gave us everything. The biggest simcha in life, Rabbi Yisrael, the biggest simcha in life is when you're a bacher. When a person is young, when a person is healthy, when a person has his whole life ahead of him, basically the age that you're all in, that is the biggest simcha in life. Smach bacher writes. There's a tremendous simcha being a bacher. And a lot of us sometimes think, you know, I could be having such a great time in life. Life could be so great. I'm giving up the best years of my life and I'm cloistered in a base medrash instead of doing stuff that my friends from high school are doing and they're really enjoying life to the fullest. And look what I'm doing. I'm learning a ketais. I'm learning an esivas. I'm sitting in a base medrash. A person has to know that the simcha that we have as a bachar, when we're bachrim and we are actually taking all of that simcha and all of that kishmat that's undeniably available as a bachar, and we're saying, no, I am going to deny myself of the creature comforts and the human pleasures that a normal bachar, that a normal bachelor my age has out there. And I'm channeling it all for Avedis Hashem. I'm giving it all over to you, Rabbi Nishalom. All of my Ava. All of my Gishmak. I'm doing that. I'm dedicating every minute of that life that I could be having. I'm giving it over to you. There is no greater Kiddush Hashem in the world than that. But you have to understand what you're doing beforehand. You have to know how valuable it is. You have to understand that every bacher who stays a bantaira and who sits and learns and who davens and who understands the importance of staying within the miskaret of a yeshiva despite what you're giving up, quote-unquote. And of course you're getting plenty here. You're getting so much kishmak and learning and davening and being a yid. But all that you're giving up all of the ava, all of the pleasures that you are denying yourself, what you're doing is you're really giving over all of those to Rabbi Nishalom. You're wrapping it up in a present and saying, Rabbi Nishalom, I know that I could be having a tremendous party, but I want to have the party with you. Instead of enjoying life personally and living like a behemoth and taking all of the nachas for myself, I decide to channel all the simcha and all the shmak in life to share the simcha with you as a ben through Shmir Shabbos, through Liman through Zahiris B'mitzvahs, through Musar, through being a ben All of these I'm giving over to you, Rabbi This is what Hasidus is. Every single person in this respect is a Hasid. Every single simcha that we have in life we have to bring the Rabbeinu Shalom into it. We have to recognize that it's not our own. It's the Rabbeinu Shalom's. And if every single thing we do with a kavana of shakal baruch vaydai, everything that we enjoy, like the Mechaber says in Shulchan Aruch, every time we play basketball, enjoy the game. 
but give it over to the Rabbanu Shalom. Say, I'm doing it L'shem Shemayim so I can be healthy, so I can learn your Torah. If you're about to sit down and enjoy a delicious meal, enjoy it. But give over the Rabbanu Shalom a little bit of it. Say, I'm doing it to get more energy, so that I'm able to learn a little better, to daven a little stronger. Take the pleasures of life. The Rabbanu Shalom wants you to enjoy life. But he wants you to enjoy life in a way that's l'chvaydai, that you're doing it for the Rabbanu Shalom. Two people could be living the exact same life, but it's altogether a different life if you were at the Shmuz or you weren't at the Shmuz. A person could be sitting and davening and learning and eating and having a chasna and having a bar mitzvah and having a bris. And all of those things are great for one person and the other person it's doing the exact same thing. You're spending the same money on the caterer and on the photographer. And you're having the same bagels. And you're doing the same, you're eating the same meal plan. But if one person has in mind, it's a different life. The whole complexion of your life is altogether different because everything is Kaddish. Everything is L'Shem Shemayim. Everything is L'Chvaydei Yisparach. And just like Yosef, gave Nachas Ruach to Yaakov Avinu instead of to himself. And Yaakov did the exact same thing and gave Nachas Ruach li and said Kriyashma instead of taking it in himself. This is how we should try to emulate the Midas of our Avis. And also whatever we do at every twist and turn in the road to take the good in life, squeeze it out and take that product and give it over to the Rabbani Shalom. Say, it's for you. I have you in mind. You are in my mind day and night. Everything is schmack in life that I'm enjoying, I'm doing it for you. person has that kavani, he's a chassid. He is the envy of the Ramchal. He is what makes the whole world go round. He is what gives the Rabbani Shalom nachas ruach. And what son doesn't want to give his father nachas ruach? This is the site of Parshas Vayigash in a nutshell. Ashrei mi shamoi batayra v'aisei nachasruach liyitzrei. If your amelos is in Taira, then you know how to give nachasruach liyitzrei. If you're a ben Taira and you're learning the Taira and you're coming to Beis Medrash and you're absorbing these lessons that we're speaking about today, then you will know mamela how to give nachasruach liyitzrei because whatever you do is tayradik. Everything that you do is with a kedusha, with a kavana nechayna, l'shem shemayim and l'chvaydai. That is eisen nachas ruach That is what gives the rabbanu shalom in heaven nachas beyond our wildest dreams. That we mere mortals can give the rabbanu shalom nachas ruach, but we can, and it's simple. It's just a matter of training our minds to bring the rabbanu shalom into the simcha and to donate the simcha. To him, Yisparach.